Africa, home to the most unique people in the world. A place that connects us through our customs, traditions, and even belief itself. Join Mukundi Mudao in Tribal Pursuit, a series that ventures deep into Africa to discover the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. Join the conversation every Wednesday at 10 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Trouble Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundu Mudao, top of the morning. Six minutes past ten is the time and it is Wednesday the 24th of August 2022, otherwise known as Kobe Bryant Day. 8 and 24. As a basketball fan, I'm obligated to say that to everyone I talk to today and that includes you, my good friend. So, Tribal Pursuit, if you've been listening to Chai FM for the past 10 weeks or so, every Wednesday at 10 o'clock, you would know it is time for your friend Mukundi to talk to you about Africa and also other African Jewish communities. If this is your first rodeo, sit back and relax. You are in for a good time. I'll be talking to the Jewish community of Cote d'Ivoire today, but that's a little bit later in the show, as you may know. I got some great news for you. I got some news about animals. And of course, it wouldn't be Tribal Pursuit without that beautiful African music. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for spending your Wednesday morning with me. If you'd like to get in touch with your friend Mukundi, you can freely do so. 34519 is how you SMS me. 0618951019 is how you telegram me. If you want to email me, feel free to do so as well. On air at highfm.com. And if you want to tweet me you can just at high fm this is tribal pursuit with mukundi mudao venturing deep into africa to discover the who how and why of the beautiful people that identify as jewish am i the only person who actually dances to the music from the ads you know the ads that were just playing am i the one that dances to the music am i crazy like that okay Moving on. <laughs> 101.9 High FM is the name of. Wait, wait, no, that was wrong. 101.9 High FM Travel Pursuit is the name of the show, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Top of the morning, quarter past ten or ten fifteen is the time, and I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Is that time of the? By the way, I'm not alone in studio. I always forget to do this, and I feel so rude. I'm not alone in studio. I have my, I have my man Craig the man, and he's pressing all the buttons. Craig, you good? Thumbs up. I'm not a man of many words. And I want you to forget you're Jewish for a minute. It's that time of the show where I tell you just what's happening in Africa and some news about animals. Well, not about animals, but seriously about animals because Mukundi loves animals. Starting in the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Sicknesses. Pretty sure you're tired of viruses by now. Everybody, everybody's tired of the word virus right now. But after COVID hit, everybody just does Nobody wants to hear the word virus. And then we got monkeypox. And we have our old friend, the Ebola virus. So, the Democratic Republic of Congo, or the DRC, is experiencing a resurgence of the Ebola virus after one case was confirmed by local health authorities on Monday night. The World Health Organization, or WHO, said in a statement on Tuesday, the case was identified after samples from a 46-year-old woman in the eastern province of North Kivu tested positive after she died, unfortunately, on August the 15th. Now, the analysis showed that the case was genetically linked to the 2018-2020 outbreak in North Kivu and Ituri provinces, the country's longest and largest. Now, as someone in South Africa, we've never really had a problem with Ebola. I don't think we've ever actually had an Ebola problem, which I'm grateful for. But we've seen in the upper sections of Africa, that's where the Ebola virus is very is very dominant. I don't know why. I didn't do my research, probably because of the climate conditions up there. 
keep that up there then but it is sad that the Ebola virus is coming is trying to make a resurgence and it seems to do this every couple of years I remember the same thing happened like they said in 2018 2020 somewhere there and then a few years back 2014 2015 it was a very big deal very big deal shut down countries and everything I remember it was an epidemic and it was in it was a threat of becoming an actual pandemic because there were cases all around the world and not just in Africa so I'm glad that we're getting there but the Ebola virus seems to be here to stay <laughs> It, see, it seems it'll outlive all of us, which is something I am sad about, but it is what it is. So, so if you're in the Democratic Republic of Congo, if you're in the DRC, then you might want to watch out for the Ebola virus. Funny enough, Mukundi is a big name in Congo. Just a little, just a little trivia fact. Every time I'm, every time I, I'm, I get an Uber and it's a Congolese driver, or if they're delivering my food and it's a Congolese guy, oh man, they, they they look at me and they greet me with such passion like I'm their brother, you know? They even greet me in their language. I'm pretty sure I heard one of them greet me in French and he said, Bonjour, Mukundi. And I said, Bonjour. And he said, you don't know you don't know what I'm talking about, do you? And I said, no, no, I don't. That's when he said, your name is pretty big in, in my country. Where are you from? Oh, no, I'm from Limpopo. Oh, okay. Well, if you were to go to Congo, you'd fit right in. Your name is pretty big there. And I get that a lot, you know, but it's Africa. We all want people, right? <laughs> Moving on. Remember when I told you about the Kenyan elections? This was a couple of weeks ago. Just, I told you about the Kenyan elections and I gave you the four candidates. If you've been following up on it, then you may know that we have a winner, William Ruto. Now, who is William Ruto? Well, fear not, my friend. Mukundi will tell you exactly who that is. William Ruto has emerged the winner of a tense and fiercely fought contest for Kenya's presidency. But who is the man who will lead Africa's largest economy? Let's find out. Ruto grew up on a farm in a quiet village in the Rift Valley selling chickens. From a roadside stall to make money in his presidential campaign, he tapped into those roots, touting himself as a hustler and a Kenyan who pulled himself out of poverty into the country's corridors of power. Now, he served as a deputy president since 2013, and he pulled off a stunning defeat against his chief opponent, the veteran politician Raila Odinga. Raila Odinga was, fa- was the second favorite to win the elections, if you remember. If you don't, go back and listen to that episode. That was from two weeks ago, if I recall. Uh-huh, two weeks ago. HiFM.com slash podcast. Wait, wait. HiFM.com, open the podcast tab, go to Travel Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, and you will find everything you need there. By the way, listen to the podcast, and not just Travel Pursuit. We have a lot of great shows on HiFM that I think you will enjoy. So he studied bot- botany and zoology at university, and then he received a doctorate in plant ecology. And he shifted to politics in the 90s and he ran for the parliamentary seat in 97 of the Eldoret North constituency, which he won. He then rose through the ranks and was re-elected as a member of parliament in 2002. He was acquitted of corruption charges in 2011 and 2013 and was tried alongside the then-president Kenyatta in the International Criminal Court. Accused of crimes against humanity for stoking ethnic violence following the 2007 elections, however, the charges were later thrown out. And, okay, I'm not gonna tell you that he's the father of six. I just want you, I just want to tell you about the man himself. That's a, that's a brief history about him. Now he, now he's currently the president elect of Kenya. And if you may know, his, his opponent Odinga is actually fighting and he's saying, no, we need a, we need a recount. Some of the votes were not correct. And I will be here to give you an update on that case and everything around it. 
Moving on to my favorite people, the animals. Yeah, I don't like people that much. I like animals better. Animals are... Animals are my people. <laughs> Remember, last week I gave you a list that said Africa's smartest animals. Today I'm switching it up. Here are animals you've never heard of. Top 10 African animals you've never heard of. If you have heard of them, however, do let me know and tell me how smart you are. 34519 is how you do that via sms if you're on a, if you're on a telegram that's 0618951019 if you're on an email that's on air at highfm.com and if you want to tweet me that's at highfm you have no excuse for talking to your friend today i gave you all the means of communication so do so please going up at number one is the greater kudu or the tragelophus stepsiserus i'm gonna try to say the scientific names as well now the males can measure up to 195 to 245 centimeters, which is about six to eight feet, and they can weigh they can weigh up to 315 kilograms. Found in the savanna woodlands and avoids open grasslands and forests. Now we got the grey-crowned crane or the Bellarica regulorum, or something like that. Read it and tell me. <laughs> They're a bird, and they are found in wetlands and open grasslands, and they are currently a vulnerable species. This one was the species that I never knew the african civet or civetictus civeta and it's a little ferret looking animal we got the basa oryx which is everybody knows the oryx though we got the columbus the, Gu, the guireza columbus which is basically i see a primate looks like a breed of a panda and a monkey i hope you check it out do google these animals we have the african wild dog everybody knows the african wild dogs we have the lower heart the beast heart the beast i never know how to pronounce that <laughs> we have the somali ostrich there's a somali ostrich aren't they all just ostriches ostrich ostrii what's the plural for ostrich that we have the dwarf mongoose oh that's cute that looks so cute you should check it out Dwarf mongoose, Google it. We have the clips ringer, Google that too. It's a little, it's a baby deer from what I can tell you. That's it. Those are animals. The baby deer, otherwise known as the clips ringer. We have the dwarf mongoose. We have the Somali ostrich. Ooh, so special. Not just a regular ostrich. We have the lower hartebeest. We have the African wild dog. We have the gorilla colobus. Please Google this. I want you to check it out. Tell me what you think. It's spelled G-U-E-R-E-Z-A-C-O-L-O-B-U-S. Gereza Columbus. However you pronounce that. <laughs> we have the Basa Oryx. We have the African Civet. We have the Grey Crown Crane, which is a bird. The only bird on this list, actually. And the Great Akudu. Those are your animals of the day. The top 10 animals in Africa you didn't know. Tell me how many you knew and tell me how many you didn't know. If I taught you something, that is great. Because that's what great friends do, right? This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao. Venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Tribal Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. Time is 10.32 and I hope you're enjoying your Wednesday morning. It's very beautiful outside. Spring is definitely around the corner. When I was leaving my place today, I saw some flowers blooming and I said, yes, I am here for it. I love it. If you do want to get in touch with your friend Mukundi, you can freely do so. 34519 is the SMS line. 0618951019 is the Telegram line. If you want to email me, feel free to do so as well. On air at highfm.com. And if you want to tweet me, you can just at highfm. I'll get to all your messages and I will wave in studio if I have to. 
It's that time of the day where I tell you my African proverb of the day. What is that? It's just some wisdom that I thought I would bestow upon you because I'm such a good friend and I care. <laughs> today's proverb is actually really cool. Well, they're always cool, but today's one is particularly cool. It says, all truth is good. All truth is good to know, but not all truth is good to say. Who comes up with this stuff? All truth is good to know, but not all truth is good to say. Now, because Mukundi is not smart enough to deduct what that means, I thought I would read you this passage that I found. Some things are better said than kept. Others are better left unsaid. Some things are also better said by us. Others are better said by others. Some things are better said immediately. Others are better said later. Some things are better said privately. Others are better said openly. There's no hard and fast rule when it comes to dealing with people. What someone will take as an offense, another person will take in good stride. You must always think through what to say, when to say, how to say, and where to say it. Make sure when to say it. Most importantly, if we, if, if it's worth saying. Not all truth is good to say. For instance, not everyone is mature enough to handle certain, certain truths. In that case, speaking the truth will be counterproductive. We must seek to balance truth with tact. Truth is reality focused, whereas tact is relationship focused. In other words, truth focuses on what is to be said, while tact focuses on the way to say it. Both are very essential, like the eyes. The left eye is not more important than the right eye. Together they give a person a balanced view. Wisdom is the balance point between the truth and the tact. Be tactful. Beautiful. All truth is good to know, but not all truth is good to say. That is beautiful. So I told you I'm taking you to Ivory Coast. Côte d'Ivoire, as the people say. That's a very cool word. Côte d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast. And I'll be talking to Yehuda Aoua. He's a member of the community and he's actually the leader. A very small community. And he's going to be telling us everything we need to know. Once again, if you have any questions for him, just send them through and your friend Mukundi will do so. But before we do that, we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. And we'll get to our interview and our conversation with our good friend of the show a little bit later. Do stay tuned for that. This is 101.9, Chai FM, Travel Pursuit is the name of the show. And I'm your dear friend, Mukundi Mudal. Thanks for tuning in. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudal. Venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend, Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. We have a friend of the show today, Mr. Yehuda Awa, straight from Ivory Coast, otherwise known as Cote d'Ivoire. Mr. Awa, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, thank you very much. Good to know, good to hear. So, I didn't really find much about the Ivory Coast Jewish community while doing my research. Could you please give me a bit of a history about your community yeah. So let me start about the general framework. In the, in the Ivory Coast, there were Jews from Israel. They were here, they been here in the early, in the 50s, 60s for doing business. And the community was very large. They had 3,000 3, people and uh, they had a school and there were the business places, a uh, very large school. Mm. And then uh, 2000, the, most of the Jews went away because there was a, uh, a coup and a military coup and the situation was very bad. And uh, when they went away, there was, then started an emergent Jewish community, which I led myself. 2001, I was the one who started with the Jewish community. Mm. It came not because of the Jews, because of my personal research and my personal search. So I went to Israel in the, in the 90s because I started uh, in Berkeley, Stanford area, and I saw many Jewish communities there. And I got very familiar with the teaching of Torah. 
and then I started with the Kabbalah. And in 1997, I went to Israel to look for a teacher. And then 2001, I met a big teacher called Rav Berg, who, who started a big, a big Kabbalah center in the States and the world. And he's the one who allowed me to open the synagogue and the Kabbalah center. That's the way it started. And then we started working with uh, Kabbalah's teachings, and progressively we got involved into Judaism, and then uh, we started also the conversion process. So let's say we must be around 300 Jews now in the in the Arab coast. So I would assume you were a Christian before you identified as a Jew. Yes, I was a Christian. Uh, I have a friend who were Muslims also. Oh, okay. So when doing your research, what made you identify with Judaism? Well, uh, one word is truth, Emmet. So when you look for truth, when you look for uh, facts, you get necessarily led to the Judaism, to the teachings. And uh, I was fascinated by the big teachers. And that's where I came to Judaism. I was fascinated by the teachings, especially by the Kabbalah teachings. Mm. Kabbalistic teachings, yes. Oh, I see. And do you follow all the Jewish practices that you that you that you read about? Yes, I starting uh, at that time. I was not involved with kashrut with all the different uh, rules that I apply now. Mm. But I progressively starting uh, to to observe kashrut, to observe Shabbat, and that's the way we were. In fact, we were, we were practicing Shabbat, and uh, that's the way we started coming to the idea that we should really go to the next step. Mm, I see. I asked that because most of the people I talk to, they say they gravitated with Judaism because they realize that from what they've been doing since birth as part of their tribe, some of the practices and, and rituals they noticed were very similar to Judaism, and they saw that maybe we are Jewish, and upon further research, they, that's how they discovered it. Well, let's say we have, we have a community called the Dan, the Yakuba, the Dan people, who claim they are Jews. And uh, we have some other community members class from this uh, group. And uh, there is a big rabbi from Israel whose name is the Rosenfeld, Rav Rosenfeld, who claims that they are very likely Jews. And uh, we work together anyway. So we have uh, Jews from different communities, also from this community, who have joined us also. Oh, I see, I see. And... You said you observe, you now observe Kashrut and everything. How and Shabbat and Shabbat and Shabbat, of course. How is it getting kosher food in the Ivory Coast? Because you said you're a small community, so get, how is it getting kosher food there? So we were lucky. We, we met an Israeli uh, Orthodox Jew whose name is Ariel Palmon, hmm. and who went to Israel and got the training as a as a shochet and starting also doing the the slaughtering of animals, and this mm -hmm. makes it much easier for us. Uh, but we are looking forward to another training with uh, with the Kulanu people very soon December, getting trained into slaughtering animals and uh, getting kosher, uh, kosher animals. Oh, I see. So there's only one person in the community right now that does the slaughtering. Yeah, now officially now. But, you know, we, we have a very good contact also with Morocco, mm. with... Uh, we have a rabbi called uh, Rabbi, rabbi Yama, who is a big shochet uh, in the Bed Din of, uh, of uh, Morocco, mm -hmm. of Casablanca. 
with whom you order meat and who used to deliver deliver us with uh, with food and meat from from uh, kosher food from from Morocco. One one point nine high FM. This is Travel Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Modal. Top of the morning. We have a friend of the show today, Mister Yehuda Awa, straight from Ivory Coast or Cote d'Ivoire, whichever fits your good. So, I wanted to ask about mikvahs in particular. Do you guys do those? Do you guys have mikvahs there? Oh, we are lucky. We are uh, we are close to the sea, and uh, we have a lot of lakes and uh, lagoons. Mm. So we used to go to lakes to do the mikvah. And uh, so we are preparing. So it was not a big problem to go to a, to a lake and a small lagoon. And uh, they are very good quality. It's very, very, very well placed and uh, close to the to our synagogue. So we can go there mm. regularly. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. When it comes to learning, how does the rest of your community learn? Do you guys learn online? Do you hold sessions together? Yeah, we all session together. I used myself to teach uh, Zohar classes every 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 week. I saw the Torah classes because I get uh, we have a lot of books mm. that we use, and uh, we do a lot of teaching from the Baal Shem Tov, and also from our rabbis. You uh, also met Rabbi Rabbi Yeshiau Pinto, the big rabbi in uh, in Lorca, who used to send us the teachings, and we have a lot of teaching from the Kabbalah teachers, also from the Kabbalah Center that we use. So we have. We have a lot of material for teaching, for teaching halacha, for teaching uh, the the Mishnah. And so there's no problem with understanding every parasha every week. We do a lot of commentaries about parasha every week. That's one of the major things that we do. We started parashot. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I asked that because I was going to follow up and ask about the youth of your community. When I was speaking to the youth of Nigeria, they seemed to be very hands-on with everything while the older generation wasn't that much involved. How is the youth involvement and interaction with your with your community? Oh you use it very enthusiastic. I think they they, they they love the Jewish interaction. They're, they're part of the community. They've been uh, some have been there for ten, twelve years and they love the parasho, they love listening to the to the lessons, how they can apply apply them in their life. You know, Judaism is very practical. It's not something that's very theoretical. Mm. It's something that you can apply every day if you understand the parashot, you understand also the Kabbalistic teachings, you know. It's, it's, they, they, they love it and they get a lot of miracles. I mean, one of the things that we, we I can claim that in our synagogue is a synagogue of miracles. People experience so wonderful things in life. And this is one of the things that we know God blesses. Oh, that's beautiful. And you mentioned your synagogue. Is it your only synagogue in the community right now? Uh, we have some synagogues. Uh, we have ourselves, our Kulanu, Kabbalistic synagogues, mm. and uh, conservative synagogue. But there is uh, an Orthodox Jew with whom we have, who is Hazal, who is a part of the synagogue. But there is a synagogue at the Chabad. Chabad is also our good friend. We are not ever Orthodox. We have a synagogue. And we have our communities who have the synagogues. But we are the most, uh, let's say, the community that really observe Shabbat strictly. We call ourselves Shomer Shabbat. Can you repeat that, please? Shomer Shabbat. Shomer people Shabbat. who, people who really keep the Shabbat strictly. Who strictly, and the other Jewish communities don't. I don't know how far they do it. I know, I know, you know that Shabbat we don't travel, mm-hmm. we don't do any work, we don't cook, we don't buy food. You know, it's a lot of restrictions. Even if you, if you have a deaf announcement, you won't move because uh, it's Shabbat. 
So, you know, the Sri Shapata are very, very, very high level. So a lot of sacrifice, I think. A lot of devotion. A lot of devotion. And how is your interaction with all those other Jewish communities in the country? Oh, we are good friends. So I recently had a big, uh, we have a big colloquium because we, we were trying to put all the religious people together in the, in the house of religious people in our government. Mm. So the, those communities have, they have almost 50,000 people, but, but they're Christian. They say they are Jewish, but in fact they're Christian related. They're not really 100% Jews. So those communities exist, you know, but I'm talking about the Jewish, really Jewish communities who really have converted strictly according to the Rebettin. 101.9 High FM, this is Trouble Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Once again, we have a friend of the show, Mr. Yehuda Awa. And I actually wanted to ask about the other members of your community. Has everyone in your community been converted, or are, are you guys still waiting? No, Drew, some of them have been converted. Some are waiting to be converted. And then are you in the process of doing that, or will it happen... No, I really did it. Some, some of us did it. We had almost, uh, we just hope that we get more, more minyan, more, more than 20 people. Some have communities that, there's some, there are communities that have more people than we do. Mm. But we are very, though we have Shomesh about the number of converted people are less than the other communities. But, you know, maybe it's due to the fact that we are very strict. Oh, I see. And while I was talking to, other members of other Jewish communities in and around Africa. The one thing that seemed to stand out the most was the fact that a lot of them are concerned for their safety, mainly because Jewish people are, are persecuted in the countries that they're living in. Is that the same for you guys, or do you guys live peacefully there? Absolutely, absolutely not. We don't, we don't have any fear of our life. There's no danger at all. So on the contrary, people are very, very happy to, to meet a Jew, and we are very welcome everywhere we go. And just people say, oh, your religion is very tough, you know. <laughs> because, you know, when you arrive, you can't eat what they eat, you can't drink what they drink, you know. Yeah. They feel like they don't have the, the, the freedom that they used to have, you know. Mm. But anyway, we enjoy our life, you know. Oh, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. And with the leadership of your community, I hear you say that you started the community, you started the community and you teach everyone. Do you guys have any rabbis there? As I said, we have a Hazan, we have a, another, another Jew who used to be Hazan in Israel, mm. who well trained as a, you know, he was trained in Yeshivot. And, uh, as you say, we, we use a lot of training from, uh, from our rabbis. Uh, uh, I used to have the teaching of the Kabbalah Center. And if you have some teachers from Israel, sometimes they call us and, uh, if you have a question to, to improve, you know, to deepen, they will just call us and we handle the questions, the religious questions, especially about the halacha. And do you have anyone, I want to say people that you know in your community that question the validity of your Judaism? Oh, that's a question that you always have. People have a question, they want to, especially Christian, they want to challenge every point, you know. But uh, they are very happy when we give them the right answer. Mm. And I wanted to... That's, that's a normal... Oh, sorry, you were saying? I said, it's a normal debate. It's normal people, you know, to question some oh, issues about. Yeah, it's human nature to, to do that. While I'm looking at my notes, I see that when I read about the Jewish community in Cote d'Ivoire, it said it's a combination of, I have to read this, the Beit Israel and the Eitz Chaim community. It's now a combination of those two. What are those, if I may ask? 
Uh, there, are, there are different communities. Our community is called called Yoda, hmm. uh, called Jakob. So we don't have, uh, you know, we interact individually, but we don't have really things that we do together. But Kulanu was the one that was uh, that was heading all these groups. It was everywhere. Everybody, every community is very independent. Every community is very independent. Okay, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful, Mr. Yehuda Ao. I'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to me today. Thank you, Mr. Mukundi. It was a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope that we can uh, we start again. It was a pleasure to also talk to my to the people from uh, from South Africa. And uh, I hope that we get more. We we'll be, be visiting. I was once a while in uh, Cape, Cape Town, and I just said I really loved and really? Joburg, and I hope that I'll be there. Really? No. Once you once you're in Joburg, I'm in Joburg. If you come to Joburg, do pay us a visit. You'll come in the studio, and then we can actually have a chat face to face. Thank you. That's what I'm looking for. Forward looking to. forward to it. Looking forward. Okay. To it. Thanks so much. And uh, yes, thank you. Enjoy the rest Bye. of your day. Enjoy. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Tribal Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Top of the morning, 10.53 is the time and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mr. Yehuda Awa from the Côte d'Ivoire. Côte d'Ivoire. <laughs> from the Côte d'Ivoire Jewish community. I don't know how to say that. Please, somebody tell me how to say that. From the Côte d'Ivoire Jewish community and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Unfortunately, it was a bit short. I do apologize for that, but timing and everything it was a bit short next time we'll try to prolong it like we usually do with the others but like i told him when he's back in the country i will definitely have him in studio and then it'll be a better conversation and more and we'll have more fun <laughs> Ten fifty-three. unfortunately that does mean we are out of time unfortunately but i hope you enjoyed your wednesday morning with me that was tribal pursuit with mukundi mudao your dear friend on the airwaves and we do this every wednesday 10 a.m if you enjoyed it you're welcome. If you didn't enjoy it, tune in again next week, and I bet I can change your mind. I was I wasn't alone in the studio, of course. I had the man Craig with me pressing all the buttons, gave me a thumbs up once again. I'd like to thank you for tuning in and listening and listening and having fun. If you did have fun, let's do this again next week. Don't go anywhere. We have the male female hour with Mr. Dennis Prager up next from eleven to twelve. And I do not leave you alone. I leave you in the warm, safe, and responsible hands of Africa's greatest musical export, Fela Kuti. Everybody knows Fela Kuti. You have to know at least one song from Fela Kuti. This is the song that I decided to sign out with. Teacher, don't teach me nonsense. It's about 25 minutes long, but <laughs> I won't put you through that. If you do enjoy, just go check it out. And I promise you, you won't regret it. Let's do this again in seven days, seven short days. And as always, until next time, enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>